Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Stay strong, Marcus. This is for my mum. <laughs> I heard he sang a good song. I heard he had a star. And so I came to see him to listen for Ooh. a while. Doesn't get easy to watch. And there he was, this young boy, a stranger to my eyes. You rubbish, mate! Oh, mean. Here he comes, saves the day, my buddy Hugh Grant. Killing me softly with his song, killing me softly with a simpler time. With his song, telling my whole life, with his words, killing me softly. A uh, mustard yeller Fender Strat he's playing. That is obviously the masterpiece movie called About a Boy. I'm going to admit something to you that my wife was uh, hinting at 
I think just yesterday, actually. Um, <laughs> and uh, that is, I have, um, I love Hugh Grant. So there you go. And I uh, I love uh, that movie about a boy is brilliant, obviously. Um, Notting Hill is brilliant, obviously. The only thing, I mean, there are always asterisks in this. So Notting Hill um, needed Julia Roberts to not be in the movie. Because what they it seemed to me they tried to divvy up um, speaking parts. Uh, sorry, uh, the lines. What's the script? What do you call the stuff that you say in a movie, Alice? Lines, I guess. I guess so. I they tried to divvy up the lines so that she could be witty and funny too. But don't try to be the witty and funny one in the Hugh Grant movie. It's, <laughs> it's only he can do that. That's his whole thing. The competition is too hard. Exactly. Like even with um. In um, Four Weddings and a Funeral, mm-hmm. Andy McDowell, they gave her a couple of witty lines, but really it was all him. It was all Hugh being being Hugh Grant. And he is a great actor. And some of the things that he was in, in the second act, after he is inexplicably, inexplicably, that's right. Inexplicably. In a, mm-hmm. Inexplicably. Um, uh, in a, like, a rented Porsche or whatever on, on Sunset Boulevard with a prostitute. Uh, and he had to... Had to uh, leave for a while, and then he came back and did some interesting movies. That's Notting Hill and About a Boy. It's, it's somehow 18 years ago, somehow. Um, and then uh, Love Actually. Obviously, that is a... Wait, 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 there's no way. About a Boy's 2002, so Love Actually must be 2004 or something? No. Love Actually, I thought, was 2001 or 2002. No, no it must have been 2002, because they referenced 9-11 in the thing. Yes. But I think it was, I mean, it was early in... Yeah. 2003. So, okay. okay. So, and he, he's brilliant in that movie. Now, there have been some terrible movies. I think other than those two... And Love Actually needed some help, too. Anything with Laura Linney should be removed and deleted. <laughs> and a dude who plays her brother. All of those scenes need to be deleted immediately. Um. But um, that is a great movie. Other than that, I don't know. Has he done anything great since then? Um, since then? Uh, I don't know. Since Love Actually. There was that one movie we saw where he's like the professor and he dates a student. Yeah, not great. Yeah. Yeah, that was. I don't think he's been in anything awesome, though. Um, I've always loved him from um, Sense and Sensibility. That's more right. that's where That's way back. That's Yeah, that's a lot. That's like the 90s or something, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's ancient early, history. Yes, that's early. That's before um, uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral and all. I'm pretty sure that's before all that stuff. Right. Um, but that's, you know, what I liked him in. When uh, About a Boy came out, I just thought, like, wow, Hugh Grant is so old. Yeah, that was my major takeaway from about a boy. He is definitely an Englishman. There's no doubt about that. Which I saw because um, the book is by the author of High Fidelity, actually. Right. Um, right. So that's how it, I knew American of it. American author, right? Um, yes, and Nick it, Hornby, or maybe he's not. No, he's British. Is Sorry, he? he's British. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, and he wrote Fever Pitch too. Really? But it wasn't about. Jesus. But it wasn't about the Red Sox. It was about. Him liking his football club, but they oh, okay. adapted it to be about the Red Sox. Okay, I have a question for you about uh-huh. that window behind you. Yes, is that um, is there a screen on that? No. Do you mind? Do you mind closing that window? Certainly. And the only reason I say that is because we have a new bug infestation in this house because there's not. It's not the Shattuck's house unless <laughs> there's an infestation of some kind, and these odd flying. Mosquito things that look like the the flying thing in the first Star Wars prequel. <laughs> what? Um, who sold Anakin or whatever? I don't know. So I've never seen this bug before. 
That's the uh, this year's bug of the year. Last year was the stink bug, which has been supplanted by this new bug. There's always a new <laughs> so it's funny Jurassic you bring that up. Uh, flying creature in this. Because one of the complaints that Maria, our lead inspector, had about our house, mm-hmm. or not so much about our house, but like West Newberry in general, was that there were too many bugs here. So she said to me while she was here, she was like, oh, yeah, it's not, it looks nice out here in the country. Like my husband's always telling us, we, telling me we should move out to like the, these more like rural towns. And, but I could never do it because there's too many what bugs kind of out here. Rural. <laughs> But there's too many bugs out here. So she had major complaints about our bugs, about how old our house was, about how much work it was to test it for lead. Mm-hmm. Um, her devices ran out of batteries. She needed me to replace but them. We but, would, but there we, were too many bugs. We, we are happy to give her a reference. So if anybody would like to spend $100,000 or more money that you don't have. Arm, have your being, life ruined for two years. Get taken de-leaded. to court by the state. It's really it's awesome. So... Um, Go talk to Maria. She's in Lawrence. So that shows you where uh, her um, speed is for what she prefers in a town is more Lawrence than West Newbury. Is is that elitism coming from you, Alice? No, it's just personal taste. She preferred Lawrence. She told me. She didn't like West Newbury. Too many bugs. I get dog whistles out of that. All right. The whole reason we talked about Hugh Grant, and I'm sorry. I know that a lot of people get upset when, when I mentioned that the guy was awesome. He was. He definitely now is somehow. He's ninety six years old now, which is fine. Can't all get as good as me, but he is. Uh, but uh, Hugh Grant uh, is uh, had COVID, and he went on to Stephen Colbert. And the best thing about him in interviews is he can't stop being Hugh Grant, no matter where he is. And I think it's cool. So you got it back uh, in March. You actually had it. Yeah, I think I got it in sort of February, and um, you know for a fact, like you were yeah. tested, or yeah. Well, I've had an antibody test only a month ago, and I still have those antibodies. So I know it was that's what it was. And it became clear. I mean, it started as just a very strange syndrome where I kept uh, breaking into a terrible sweat. It was like a poncho of sweat. Embarrassing, really. (laughs) And then uh, my eyeballs felt about three sizes too big. And this uh, a feeling as though some enormous man was sitting on my chest. Yes. Sort of Harvey Weinstein or someone. And I thought, I don't know what this is. And then... I was walking down a street one day and I thought, I can't smell a damn thing. And, and you start to panic because by then people had just started to talk about this as a, a symptom. And I started sniffing flowers, nothing. And you get more and more desperate. I started sniffing in, in garbage cans. And then, <laughs> you know, you want to sniff strangers' armpits because you just can't smell anything. And I, I eventually went home and sprayed my wife's uh, Chanel number no. five directly into my face. <laughs> Couldn't smell a thing. I did go blind. <laughs> wow. I, well, that's why yeah. florists are essential workers at this point. Yes. Is that it's a yes. test center? You go into the floral shop and say, "Give me a dozen roses." Yeah, pure it, gold, Colbert. By the way, man, t- t- nothing atrophied on you in the last four years. Jesus. Yes. Don't, <laughs> don't smell. You just yeah. toddle on down to the hospital, and you'll be fine. Toddle on down. There you go. Stephen Colbert beginning to warm up and start to do some uh, entertainment-based show after a four-year-long, um, uh, essentially, comedy strike and uh, protest of pure depression and uh, angst. And that is Hugh Grant. Had COVID. He is all, all better now. Don't worry about it. He is cool. And uh, there is a new – is there anything coming out with you? There's nothing new coming out with you. He had his window. I think it's over. It was fun. I loved it, and uh, God bless him. All right. 
So uh, in uh, media, the best thing about this, and I was on with Jerry Callahan this morning. I didn't even know this had happened. First of all, I didn't know who John Meekum was, but he's an MSNBC guy. Tell me if I got this right. Mm-hmm. John Meekum is an MSNBC contributor or host? Yes, or he was a paid contributor. Now, he they said they will still have him on, but not as a paid contributor. Okay. And he has been you know, a pundit, an analyst, talking mm-hmm. about politics. And we found out that while he's talking about Joe Biden, that he's been working for Joe Biden. Is that correct? Um, Yeah, and it's more than that. It's more than just he didn't disclose he was working for Joe Biden, but he was actually writing the speeches and or like, you know, one of the people who's working on writing the speeches with Mm -hmm. Joe Biden. But he was acting as a Joe Biden speechwriter. And then he's going on MSNBC after the speech is given and, uh, you know, breaking it down for us, what this speech means for America. Critiquing the speech. Yeah, talking about the speech, about, you know, how presidential uh, it sounds and stuff. And he wrote it. Right. And so (laughs) as he's critiquing the speech, oddly enough, he seems to have a strong affinity for most of (laughs) Biden's speeches. He really likes it. He seems to know the subject matter of the speech in and out. He's got a real deep knowledge of that, which is... Uncanny, but here's an, <laughs> an instance where they go over a speech. Um, was this election? This is night, a victory, a victory night. The, this is, yeah, after they called the, enough races. To okay, this is the night Saturday in the middle of the new uptick in COVID, the second spike, where it would have been helpful to have perhaps uh, the new president-elect talk to people in the streets who are celebrating his ascension and say maybe you should stop uh, doing that. But he didn't. But that doesn't matter. This is um, John Meekum uh, after they play Biden's speech on MSNBC with Brian Williams, actually. If this isn't a bastion of uh, credibility. <laughs> John, to my initial point, I am not the historian you are, and I certainly don't have the Pulitzer on my shelf that oh, you God, do. shut up. Do you concur that that is the way we are used to? You know what? <laughs> it is freaking remarkable to me. And I have only seen stuff like this when I was a younger guy and a single guy in bars hitting on the same woman some blowhard was. And we rewind everything up, and I by no means do I have the Pulitzers on the shelf that you have. That said, God, what a blowhard, empty, freaking suit. Hearing from our presidents. Absolutely. Uh, tonight marks the entire election results. Mark a renewal of an American conversation. What a dink. <laughs> People don't talk like that. Maybe speech writers do, and that's, I assume, what he's reciting right now. He's reciting exactly what Joe Biden just recited. People don't – a renewal of an American conversation. This is so left-wing progressive. This is so Boston Globe. Wow, I feel smarter for having heard that. He's renewing a conversation that we need to have. The national dialogue is back. This is so important. I feel smarter. Don't you feel? I feel smarter, too. Let's put an NPR and they'll speak softly to us. And maybe they'll play excerpts. Where we're struggling imperfectly to realize the full implications of the Jeffersonian promise of equality. That has taken us too long. Our, our work has been uh, bloody and tragic and painful and difficult. And Lord knows it is. The Jeffersonian promise of equality, by the way, took a. Boy, radical turn south if you look at Jefferson's uh, uh, second half of his life. And, but it doesn't matter. This is Jeffersonian. This is this guy is, can you imagine, two complete FOS blowhards. Incredible. I know. Incredible. It's unfinished. But at our best, we try. And at our best, we are uh, 
uh, vice president, sorry, the president-elect, got to get used to that. The president-elect quoted Martin Luther King tonight, who quoted Theodore Parker, a 19th century abolitionist, talking about the arc of a moral universe being long, but it bends toward justice. It only bends if there are people like John Lewis and people like Jim Clyburn and people like the suffragists and people like the abolitionists. Who, what is this freaking idiot talking about? Where are we now? Jesus, he has got to be a professor. He's got to be a professor. He is talking. He's a historian, I okay, believe. Yes, uh, definitely, definitely. He was quoting MLK, who was quoting. Uh, you know, or Parker. Uh... Yeah. Oh, God. And one of my favorite uh, moments of the speech <laughs> that I God, unbearable jerk. Who insists that it's swerve. That's the dialectic of history. I'm having trouble. I'm having trouble with this person. I'm having trouble with this person. You don't like the having dialectic of history that the speech was evoking? Oh, my God. I feel, Alice, will you be my shrink right now? I have a couple of emotions uh, that always linger around my mind. Always there. There is an acknowledgement by myself, Alice, that I think I probably drink too much, and I think I probably eat too much. Now, I'm spitballing here, and I could be wrong about both of those. Mm-hmm. That said, the number one thing on my mind right now is I hate that bastard John Meacham for speaking like that. That is now the number one problem in my life right now, that he is there and he says those things that the idiot freaking moron that's talking to him from the studio is eating it up and he loves the the colorful uh, turn of phrase that Meekum's got. I hate that man. I'm sorry. That's my number one problem right now on earth is John Meekum. You have me, John Meekum? I've never even heard of you before today and you have reached number one. (laughs) Number one. Uh, Hold on. Uh, Do I want to answer this? No, I don't want to answer this. All right, Alice, can you talk for a second? Um, yeah, so there we have it. Um, the president-elect speechwriter uh, breaking down his own speech that he helped him write for uh, the American people. One thing that I thought was really actually especially interesting was that he had to correct himself from calling him the vice president, which is sort of like a weird humble brag thing that he did there, where um, first he called him vice president, and then he said, oh, forgive me, president-elect uh, that's going to take some getting used to calling him the president-elect now. It's sort of almost saying, like, well, I'm just so familiar with Vice President Biden, you know, just getting used to saying the new his new title is going to be tough for me. Well, yeah, well, now we know the reason you're so familiar with him is because you were hanging out together earlier today writing the speech. So uh, that's uh, what he's been up to. But, yeah, I mean, I think Tom has a good point that, you know, the, it was all... Peace, love, unity, the arc of uh, the moral universe bending toward justice and and uh, all that stuff that, you know, a couple days ago and everyone was out in the streets celebrating and all the excite- excitement about the president-elect coming on. But, uh, you know... Right now, we're actually starting to be in the middle of a new COVID spike. You know, the deaths haven't really started to spike up yet, but we're definitely seeing it in the hospitalization trends, in the 
case counts that we're seeing. And, you know, I'm wondering going forward if the media is going to do Biden the same service that they did Trump and keep a running count going of, you know, all the people from the Biden celebrations that will be infected and eventually dead from that. You know, uh, I happen to kind of be of the belief that you can let ma- people make their own dumb decisions. But clearly the celebrations that we saw this past weekend were completely, uh, you know, in violation of all the guidance and everything else. And you can tell me they were outdoors. You can tell me they were wearing masks. Uh, trust me, I'm all for it. But that's not what the public health officials have said in other cases where people are supposed to be outdoors. You know, Massachusetts has a 25-person limit on outdoor gatherings with masks. And um, I know New York is has an indoor gathering limit. I'm not sure if they have imposed a new outdoor gathering limit as well to go with it. But certainly, you know, de Blasio and all these people were out there in the streets just the other day uh, celebrating. It was liberation. It was joyous, de Blasio told us. So we're... Um, we're about to see if if the left is going to um you know be consistent on their covid counts here with the political rallies how are you do you need the song are you okay i'm making it through without the song believe it or not no i've no i'm just talking about for stress level i mean john meekham has set me off today else but that's not what that phone call was this phone call was totally different totally perhaps i'll talk about it tomorrow it's a new it's a it's a it's a work thing it's a work thing. Go ahead. It's a work off. Um, so, all right. So that was John Meekham on MSNBC. You were just talking about the COVID. The COVID spike. Yes, it's come back mm-hmm. and everybody's getting it. A million, trillion, zillion people are getting it. Yeah. Uh, actually, the, the thing I was just talking about was from was one of our papers, the paper uh, Fitchburg Sentinel. And, uh, and we've got a church there that was a super spreader church and. Uh, you'll read all about it. Read the Fishburg Sentinel on Enterprise uh, tomorrow in the next day and every day. As a matter of fact, feel free to subscribe as well. And it's all these super spreader events. I do think I am blown away that the fact that Joe Biden never thought to. never Nobody thought to tell people to stop celebrating Saturday. That is so freaking revealing. This is also – before this year began, I always believed to myself that I do not trust anybody. Don't trust anybody. Everybody's full of it. That before was my credo. That is now the guiding uh, sentence of my life. Don't trust anybody. There's also um, a big mask study out of Europe. I think it's um, is it Denmark? Don't trust no. anybody except for my is friend Candelania. Candelanian has some new reporting on something <laughs> that we talked about at the top of the hour. How the Trump administration is handling the transition with the incoming Biden team or not handling it, we should say, to a certain extent. This time, it involves our intelligence community. Uh, Ken, what have you learned, sir? What do you got, Ken? Oh, shit. F- oh, John Meekham's coming. I understand, <laughs> my buddy. I'm right there with you. You know what? Today... We're all Ken Meekum. But you know yeah. who's really Ken Meekum today? That's Kendalanian. Right? Yeah, Kendalanian. You're yeah, confusing thank you. people. But yesterday we talked about Eva Longoria, who was in deep kimchi, for suggesting that... Um, Latinas did a good job. Exactly. Latinas did a good job in making Joe Biden the president-elect. The women of color showed up in big ways. Of course, you saw 
uh, in Georgia what what uh, uh, black women have done. But the Latina women were the real heroines here, beating men yeah. in turnout in every state and voting for Biden Harris at an average rate close to three to one. And and that wasn't surprising to us. You know, Latinos are the CEOs of the households. They make all the financial decisions and healthcare decisions and educational decisions. Many Latinas are small business owners and they wanted a plan for recovery. Yeah. No, 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 no. You don't go around uh, throwing uh, love to the uh, Latinas exclusively. Not this year. So uh, if she was obviously taking the task because she uh, minimalized. Minimal- erased. She erased she, black oh, women. She erased black women. So she had to apologize yesterday. I think did we play? Did we just read it? Did I read play? her Instagram apology that she had posted. That was just a text apology, but that apparently wasn't good enough. She went on TV on uh, MSNBC's readout with Joy and Reed, and um, she apologized in person as well. Absolutely. So you did a, a little TV over the past couple of days talking about this, mm-hmm. and, and really the kind of. I think false impression um, that people have had of what Latino and Latino voters actually did in this election. I know it, it caused a bit of. First of all, Joy Reid is not saying that right. Does anybody going to take issue with that? That is the that is the five hundred thousand person super spreader party in the city for Joe Biden of uh, mispronunciations of certain words. That is, uh, yeah. There's. It's very clear to us how it's supposed to be pronounced. Latina. That's right. Latina. Okay. Absolutely. So you did a, a little TV over the past couple of days talking about this mm. and, and really the kind of, I think, false impression um, that people have had of what Latino and Latino voters actually did in this election. I know it, it caused a bit of a stir, uh, and I wanted to let you yeah. have an opportunity to sort of update your remarks. Update your remarks. Jeez, that's a nice way to say grovel, apologize, beg for um the gods of accepted discourse to not cancel you no thank you i i i i think like many of us were all exhausted after this election and i am you know in my effort fatigue fatigue gets the best of us even the most noble of us those of us with the biggest hearts Fatigue can strike us all. To celebrate Latina turnout, I diminished the importance of the black women's vote in this election. And what I said was wrong. And it it is a fact that African-American women showed up in record numbers. You don't have to feed yourself into a tree shredder, for God's sakes. All you did is make a different point. What I said was wrong. Brought us to victory. They saved this country. And uh, I recognize the harm that my words caused. If we've learned anything from this administration. Your words, first of all, were you saying... Black women save the country. I, I, I mean, I, is that an is that an over? Uh, okay, fine, doesn't matter. My words caused harm. Somebody was harmed by your words. Maybe th- those people who have to keep a straight face while you say Latina and then go right on to you know speaking with no dialect whatsoever with every other English word. Is that words matter? And so I take full responsibility for that mistake because. Um, I want everybody to know that we stand on the shoulders of black women who owe. Okay. Listen, Eva, I don't think you owe joy that much. We get it. <laughs> the initial, you know, uh, you could, this was worth a grovel light. You didn't, this does not have to be a 30 pack of grovel con, uh, condescension and patriotism and, What's the other thing you do when you go to audiences and you try to pandering? Right, exactly. We show up. Black women have carried us for decades when it comes to civic engagement. And I get that there's a a collective. We get it. Enough. We get 
We understand uh, that you feel you've broken a cardinal rule in the intersectionality, um, uh, you know, canon, and that you need to <coughs> need to make up for it, uh, Eva. But there's a <coughs> a friend of mine says a good um, a great rule in being a salesman is used to leave in the sales done, and he would say, "Don't sell it back." In other words, when the sales <laughs> done, leave. So the more uh, Eva is going on with this, the more she's selling it back. She already what she was already fine. She already did her piece. Now, uh, no, it's like uh, you know she she gave um, a Joy Reid a, a bouquet of flowers. Joy Reid said thank you, and now she's now dumping seventy pallets <laughs> full of flowers on Joy Reid. No, we get it exhaustion and hurt at feeling erased yet again. And I contributed to that pain in a moment where black women should have been lifted up, not erased. And I I failed to do that, but uh, not, but this is an uncomfortable moment. This is what an uncomfortable moment looks like. And I can only show up and and be better and do better. And that's what I'm doing. Oh, I love it. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? You know, we know that it, it has been for the past few years, is that all of there's incredible nobility in being a victim, and a lot of that is related to your intersectional intersectionality. So if you're a victim, if you're if you're a victim on the intersectional scale, then that's easy enough to be done for you. If you're a victim like um, somebody like Eva Longoria, who's a beautiful actress and you know has everything she could ever want in the world, that's a little more difficult. The victim, like me, I don't get that. And I don't, I don't get that. <laughs> you whatever. don't get any. I don't get to have a victim. But <clears throat> now, they love playing the victim so much, but it's been saturated. Everybody does it now. Everybody, if you look at any of these people, I mean, there was a rally in Boston Common a few years ago, and all these angry, I assume they're critical gender studies people who I can't, I couldn't identify what gender they were. A lot of them, I don't know what they were. I know that they were, if freaking. Pissed off as a gender, that's the one they were because they were angry and they're yelling at people saying, What victimize what victimization have you had? How have you been victimized? Or yelling at people saying, What have you been victimized for? How have you been victimized? Saying, in other words, you have no right to be there unless you've been a victim. So that, yeah, that's where we've been. But now this is even better. You get to now <laughs> be an aggressor mm-hmm. like Eva Longoria, and to have sinned. Mm-hmm. And then get to throw yourself in all humility upon the floor, right? And just absorb the you know rays of judgment from the gods and declare yourself wretched in front of them. Mm-hmm. Sacrifice yourself at the altar for them to show it. So now you get to the performances never end. Right? They're practicing a confessional religion, really. <sighs> like this is what it is, right? It's like. We're born on the shoulders of black women and we owe our democracy to black women. Black women save the country. Like this stuff, I mean, these just wacky statements. I mean, I think black women are as great as the next person, but sure. like, I, I mean, I don't, I just don't get this. This whole like thing where we like ascribe these qualities to groups of people based on skin tone and then like make these broad, statements about their virtue i mean like people it doesn't work like that people don't by 
on account of their skin color or gender or anything else, like have virtuous or evil qualities. This just isn't like how this works. I don't know. The victimization was one thing, but this whole thing is like so wild where she's like, I erased the saintliness of black women mm-hmm. like from the conversation and now I need to atone. Like it's very weird. It's very, and to somebody from the outside looking at it, it seems like I assume like, it looks like, you know, Pentecostal speaking in tongues to me. Like, that's what it looks like to me. And she's also saying, and this is where it gets really kind of wretched. <clears throat> she's also saying that what she said was initially so offensive mm-hmm. and so radical and so cruel. It was that, you know, that it was that horrific what she said. That it was simply a symptom of her fatigue. Because she would never be able to say those things when not fatigued, never. It seems to me that one, she didn't seem fatigued, she seemed enthused. And two, it seems to me it wasn't her first go-round uh, with the uh, Latina spiel. The Latina women were the real heroines here. You know, Latinos are the CEOs of the households. They make all the financial decisions and healthcare decisions and educational decisions. Many Latinas are small business owners. Trump's policies were never aimed at the struggling Latina community. How Latinas showed up, <laughs> that spirit and perseverance that, that Latinas use in their daily lives. Oh, man, that's got to be just tough. It's got to be tough. But, you know, you play that game. You sign up for this stuff, and that's what happens. And unfortunately, you know, you use this as a weapon against anybody who disagrees with anything you say whatsoever, or anybody who is different than you whatsoever. Because on your scale of who's more, who's the CEO of the household, and who isn't, <clears throat> you can beat somebody else over that stuff. And then it's used against you. And so then you have to say, okay, wait, it was used against me, but I'm a better person than Donald Trump, so I must not have really been me. I was the fatigued version of me with somebody mm-hmm. else who I can distance myself from. Because, Jesus Christ, nobody's fatigued in 2020, right? <laughs> nobody's fatigued in 2020. There's never been a time, actually. I don't care. However energetic I've been, when I was a younger and an in-shape person and a jogger and had all sorts of energy, when I was um, you know, coked out of my brain in the early 2000s, and when I was, I'm just seeing if, if Alice is listening. I was never, I've never done cocaine. But I just want to see. She's actually, <laughs> the baby not. is harassing her. Uh, one of the babies is harassing It's one of ours, right? Um, uh, okay, sorry. So uh, no matter any time in my life, however not fatigued and uh, energetic and with it I was, there is no time ever, 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 the Latina women were the real heroines here. You know, Latina- there was never time I have I have never promoted white men <laughs> as you know. White men really are the real CEOs of the household. <laughs> they do all the work, and they're the ones who who really made sure that uh, they got out there and they made change and this and that. Why would you give a flying frig about any? Who's how boring is that? You must seriously have a low self-esteem right. if you have to to go to to that. Let's all talk about our our skin colors, you know. And- well, right. I mean, so this reminds me of something that occurred to me when we were uh, I was shopping for clothes with Sally, and in the girls' clothing section, there's all kinds of clothing about like all the things girls can do. Girls can be anything, and like girls rule the world and the future is female. There's all this stuff about how great girls are. 
And Sally turned to me and asked me, she was probably like six. She's like, how come there's no shirts that say boys can do anything? Can't boys do everything too? Are they not? And it occurred to me that the reason why there's all this girl power junk out there on girls' clothing and everything, girls can cut all this stuff, is because with boys, it wasn't in doubt. But we have to constantly say this stuff about women and to girls. And it's so condescending when you really think about it. Like to put a T-shirt on your daughter that says girls can be anything as though you didn't think she could. That you had to like tell her she could be anything by putting it on a t-shirt. It's so insane. And like you said, it's like a low self-esteem thing. It's like women that do this like performative feminism like this, it seems like it seems like a weird projecting um, you know, lack of self-confidence issue, you know? Well, totally. And that's why, like, oh great, we got our first female city councilor. This is awesome. We so needed a woman there. Latinas are so amazing for America. Black women are so incredible for America. It's, it seems like if you have, it's one of those things where it feels like if you're saying it, you must not really think it. Right. You must think that there's such a deficit in like real talent that could see now we got us. Like, what? But why would you need any of these first to think that that you're finally you know on par with the boys or with the Latinas or with the whoever it is that you. Like why? Why would you? I mean, boys don't go around in shirts that say they can grow up to be anything they want. Like that's no. That's we would think they were insane if they did that because it would be so weird, right? And and they don't do that, and they all think they're awesome, even the idiots, and most (laughs) of them are, because they never have to deal with the the, this idea that you're. And I realize there's privilege here and all sorts of other bull bleep, but you never. They never question. Their ability to do stuff because nobody generally gives them an excuse to not do it well. Right. There's no. I mean, I was at my son's uh, soccer today, and we've got a soccer coach who seems like he just like fell off of the Manchester United like tour uh, fan bus mm-hmm. uh, and is about to like scrap <laughs> with a whole bar full. He's great. He's great, and he's there's no room for failure at all. And he does like boys and girls the same age are down for push-ups if they're doing something he doesn't like. <laughs> And it's fantastic. And there's no, like, no, I understand that, you know, you might not be good at this and maybe this isn't your strong suit. So, you know, it's okay. We'll go hard and you or just, you know, have fun, do what you want. They're not given that option. And so, like, so you go in there and you do as as good as you can do. There's no, there's no, oh, I see, I'm not that good. And so you're not given, so, like, boys generally, well, it used to be that boys generally were never told there were any limits that anything you can do. You know, and I think mm-hmm. probably it's gotten better with, <clears throat> with girl. But I, I mean, I would, I mean, the way I'm, I, I approach it with my daughter. I mean, with Sally is, I mean, I tell her that boys are stupid, which they are, and you know that she's smart and that she can do whatever she wants, run circles around them because they're idiots. You know, a lot of them are stronger, but I mean, they're really. Freaking! They're all children anyway. All men are children anyway. Not me. You married a man, man. Uh huh. Alice. But um, speaking of Sally, Alice. Sally, if you don't know out there, and if you do know, that would be concerning. But Sally's <laughs> middle name is Anderson. She's named after Beaufort T. Anderson, which brings us to Happy Veterans Day, and we wanted to say thank you to everybody who has served. We appreciate it. Uh, my brother served in the army. He went in to fight in the war in the. First, um, 
in Desert Storm, actually, enlisted, went in there. They, like, beat him up and made him um, made him um, go down to Fort Benning, and he, like, lost 50 pounds, like, in a week. And they made a soldier out of him, and then the war was over. And so he had three more years to to, uh, to uh, hang out. He was in, in Korea and all that other stuff. And uh, But thank you out there. If you're listening right now and you have served, we certainly appreciate that. Obviously, none of this happens without those people who've... Uh, who've walked the walk in our armed services, men and women, we thank you so much. So we named our Sally after Beaufort T. Anderson. I'm going to read you something about him. We never met this guy. I don't know what, how actually we stumbled onto it, but um, maybe we like the name Anderson. That's her middle name. Maybe we liked mm-hmm. it for some reason. Uh, but anyway, we looked up this guy. So we named her after this guy, Beaufort T. Anderson. He was World War II. He was Weapons Platoon Company A, 1st Battalion, 381st Infantry in the 96th Infantry Division. He was in the Army. He was given the Medal of Honor in April 13th, 1945. 1945. And he was um, he was a technical sergeant at the time he got the medal and he retired. Or he um, he left the Army as a first lieutenant. Oh, I thought I figured first lieutenant is is um, is an officer, isn't it? Maybe you can tell me. Just let me know. Uh, DM us or whatever on the burn barrel. Anyway. So he was he um, saw action in Okinawa in the Ryukyu Islands near Japan. Here's a citation for winning the Medal of Honor. Now remember these are generally written. I think these are written to begin with by the commanding officer or whatever. And this was done in language of the time. So I will change a couple of these words. <clears throat> if you, I should probably. Right? I remember. Yes. Right. Citation. He displayed conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity above and beyond the call of duty when a powerfully conducted pre-dawn Japanese counterattack struck his – already I can see that somebody has changed it. <laughs> when a <clears throat> powerfully conducted pre-dawn Japanese counterattack struck his unit's flank, he, orders, he, he ordered his men to take cover in an old tomb and then – um, by the way, I'd be out at the old tomb. I'd be like, <laughs> get the tomb. I'd be like, I uh, hereby resign, and I am willing to trade sides and give information, whatever. <clears throat> so, okay, here we go. Um, when a powerfully conducted pre-dawn Japanese counteract, counterattack struck his unit's flank, he ordered his men to stay co- to take co- I'm sorry I'm not able to read. <laughs> I have the... Maybe you need to go to my home school. Too. I have the self-esteem. I couldn't hack it. I was listening to it. I have the um, self-esteem that I'm very smart, but I'm unable to read and write. So here we go. <laughs> when a powerfully conducted pre-dawn Japanese counterattack struck his unit's flank, he ordered his men to take cover in an old tomb and then, armed only with a carbine, Face the onslaught alone. After emptying one magazine at point-blank range into the screaming attackers, he seized an enemy mortar dud and threw it back among the charging Japanese. <laughs> killing, oh, my gosh. Killing, <laughs> so that one wasn't changed? Not changed. Okay. Killing several as it burst. Securing a box of mortar shells. Is this how badass is this guy? He uh, extracted the safety pins banged the bases upon a rock to arm them, and proceeded to alternately hurl shells and fire his piece among the fanatical foe, finally forcing them to withdraw. Despite the protest of his comrades and bleeding profusely from a uh, severe shrapnel wound, he made his way to his company commander to report the action. 
Technical Sergeant Anderson's intrepid conduct in the face of an overwhelming of overwhelming odds accounted for 25 enemy killed and several machine guns and knee mortars destroyed, thus single-handedly removing a serious threat to the company's flank. So that is him, Beaufort T. Anderson, just to, just one of the many people who who uh, fought gallantly in many of the wars and who served. And once again, we thank everybody who's done that. I mean, what would we do? What would we do? Um, Alice, you going to work tonight? I am. Bang in, kid. I can't. It's actually a blackout week for work. No, because don't give it away I'm where not, you are. I'm not giving anything away. It's a larger building. It's a large building, and we have a big project right now that we are working on, so it's very important that I show up for the team. Well, very good. I'm going to bring them cookies tonight. I was going to Monday, but I forgot to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, those cookies will keep them uh, good and wired. It's a for... good sugar high from yeah. those ones. All right, my kids won't eat them because they say they're too sugary. Yeah, which is crazy. Our kids live <laughs> only on sugar, which is crazy. Um, and, uh-oh, bad news, guys. Breaking news, Alice. Bad news. What's wrong? You're... The reason you tune in to Cable News Network Uh-oh. Uh, it has been booted from his day job, Alice. Jeffrey Tubin has been fired by the New York Daily News. I don't know why. I don't see why you would fire somebody over simply doing uh, an advanced version of performance art on a Zoom chat. Alice will uh, mourn him and the loss of a great journalist, a stand-up guy, an ethical person. And uh, that is too bad. Once again, thank you. Thank you to veterans and happy Veterans Day. Alice Shattuck, uh, one, two, three, four. Tell the people what she wore. Uh, we are Burn Barrel Pod on Twitter, Alice Shattuck and Tom Shattuck on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast. You can email us, Burn Barrel Podcast at gmail.com. You know, write us a review on your favorite podcast app. Rate the podcast. Give us five stars if you want. We like that. Do you want to fit one more word in there? <laughs> I didn't have anything else. I ran out. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 